I will pass over to Dr. Tanu and he'll be facilitating this, this part in the morning. Um, so thank you to Tan and thank you to all our speakers. So I'll just quickly introduce us. We've got Kerry Bloomfield here. Um, Tim Green from CSL. We've got Harun Ahmedi on the end from Roche. Dr. Louise Murdoch from Emeritus Research and Richard Varelli um, from Royal Melbourne Hospital. And I'll pass over to you now, Tim. I have a very easy job of having a, a fantastic panel here, really sharing their experience in terms of their insights, and obviously from uh, the, the perspective of why clinical trial participation <coughs> is important and, and you know, hearing that broader impact. And we often, often don't share that with our, um, I guess, our patients, our participants, and so on and so forth. So we've got about 30 minutes in terms of hearing um, some of the insights, and um, I'm sure there'll be opportunity to um, ask questions. But first of all, thank you to the panel, but also thank you to all the participants. Um, so I'll start with Kerry and let you introduce um, yourself and I guess in terms of your insights in terms of why uh, patient or you know, the clinical participation is important in, in this space. Okay, thanks, Tam, and hi, everyone. So, Carrie Bloomfield, I head up the clinical research team at GSK Australia, so GSK is based just up the road. Um, I've worked in clinical trials pretty much my whole career. I started uh, working in London, actually, in a phase one unit, um, and I ran healthy volunteer studies. So I used to pop downstairs and get myself involved in clinical trials from time to time. Um, so clinical trials, I guess, is part of my blood from a, from a career perspective. Oh, the importance of patients in clinical trials. It's what I love about this White White Coats Foundation um, and this campaign in particular. As a pharmaceutical company, as part of the industry, we don't have a lot of interaction with patients. We talk the word patients every day. It's patients are part of our core values. We have photos of patients um, who give them permission to have their photos on the walls of the office. So patients are a big deal for us, but we never have an opportunity to interact directly because of privacy reasons. Um, my team are trying to deliver clinical trials every day. Uh, my team are employed specifically to try and develop the medicines that GSK scientists have developed. And we can't do that without patients. Um, just yesterday, our weekly metrics, I was talking to my team about some new studies that are coming through. Um, and how quickly we get those started up. And I said to them, you know, these assets could be, could be really important to patients. We need to get them out to patients as soon as we can. So this campaign allows us to get a little bit closer to patients and show our appreciation because patients are critical to us. I have um, a bit like Christine, whoever will listen, I have a mantra or I, I think I like to share my vision for the community in and around clinical trials, and as a patient myself, is when you get a diagnosis, whether it's a mild condition or whether it's something much more serious, I want to be in front of my doctor and say, okay, thanks for my diagnosis. Let's talk about the, the prognosis in the future. What are the current therapies? What are we going to talk about in terms of treatment? But importantly, what clinical trials can I get involved in? Either because that might actually be the best option for me, that new technology, that innovation that's coming through um, could be actually the best option for me. There is a risk benefit there around a clinical trial. You don't know whether it's going to be successful or not. 
But I want to be involved in clinical trials. I guess I'm a, we've been educated patients and know about clinical trials, but that to me is really important. Um, my mum has dementia. She still remembers us and knows who we are. Um, but there are no clinical trials for my mum in dementia. And I bloody wish there were because I would really like her to be involved in a clinical trial now while she's able to still can, to consent. So... I don't know, I could talk about the importance of patients in clinical trials. Every time I'm passionate about something, I tear up. It's really embarrassing. Um, my kids always looking at me going, Mum, stop tearing up about everything. But I'm really passionate about the importance of patients. I really want to say thank you. Um, people tune up their time for clinical It's raw and it's real, so that's what we want to thank you. No, that was actually the theme for the session. We just popped up. It was about being more relaxed and real. Yes, we wanted stories from the heart. Kerry's really delivered on that Thank you. I'm not sure I can follow that with tears, but I'll certainly try and give you my story. So, so my name's Tim Green. I am a scientist, uh, a biologist by training, and I've spent my whole career uh, working on the uh, discovery and development of new medicines. And 30 years of that in the UK, working in the pharma industry there, and the last 10 and a half years here working down the road at CSL and the research facility there. So I have spent a large part of my career wearing a white coat, Never found one that fit. I <laughs> comments like, oh, look like an ice cream salesman. <laughs> and, um, one of my colleagues, one of my team is here today, and she'll attest to the fact I don't wear like, a white coat very often these days. And when I do is to go in the lab and show people around, and I, increasingly I never know where anything is or how anything works, <laughs> and they all just laugh at me. But um, So look, I have had a long journey, and uh, I just wanted to share with you some of my sort of things and observations along the way. So in 30 years, 40 years now, I've worked on lots of projects, um, many, many projects, some successful, some not so, and that's the nature of research. And um, you know, where I am now, I head a department that's called Research and Clinical Bioanalytics. So we're part of global research, and um, we occupy the top floor of the new Nancy Miller's building, for those of you who have seen it, which is at Bio 21. So we share space with Melbourne University. We rent the top three floors of that fantastic new facility, and it's a great place to work. Um, but, you know, one of the things that is just really plain but probably gets a bad press is that drug discovery and development is very expensive and a very timely process. So... You can look online yourself, but if you look at the latest figures, to develop a drug from the bench through to registration, through to launch, now the latest estimates are 2.6 billion US dollars. And if you add on the cost for research and development after registration, it's probably more like 3 million billion, sorry, US dollars, so whatever that is in Aussie dollar terms, so 4.4 billion Aussie dollars to develop a new drug. And as I said, lots of drugs don't make it. And um, obviously you want to try and weed out the ones that aren't going to make it before they get into clinical trials. And obviously a lot of work goes into that, which is where my department uh, come in. Because what we do is develop the tests, 
the bioassays that allow us to make those decisions. So we want to measure whether the drug is safe. So obviously there's a progression through test tubes into animal models. We want to make sure it's safe. We want to make sure it gets to the right place and it stays there long enough. And we want to make sure it gets to where it needs to get to and it's inhibiting whatever it is. So the new target mechanism or the, the, the new uh, approach, the new target we're trying to treat that has some consequence on the particular disease we're trying to treat. Um, just going back to that sort of failure rate, not going to go too much into it, but it's just a reality of, of, of how we work. I think that number of um, a lot of projects failing is across the whole pharmaceutical business. You know, if you look at CSL, how CSL works, up to now at least, you know, our failure rate's been fairly low, and that's because of the nature of the, the drugs and medicines that we've brought forward. So our uh, what we've done is develop medicines based on the knowledge that people who are deficient in particular proteins have a particular disease related to that. And what we're very good at is actually then collecting blood and plasma. We collect millions of litres of, of plasma from around the world and we fractionate that plasma and we can separate out those proteins. So things like when people are deficient in coagulation factors to get haemophilia. So we can purify those coagulation factors and give them back to people with haemophilia. People who are deficient in their immune system are deficient in antibodies. We can purify out the antibodies and give them back a, a mixture of antibodies that sort of basically compensates for their lack of uh, antibodies. And so on and so forth. There's a, a number of diseases, rare diseases, where people are deficient in particular proteins, and that's what CSL's built its business on up to now. And we'll continue to do so. But we are looking at the next generation of products and, and medicines that are going to come through. We have a fantastic research facility now within the CSL organisation. It's global. We have research sites in Europe, in Germany, in Switzerland, and now also in the US. And um, we have some fantastic scientists. And um, so we're looking to develop biotechnologies that are next generation drugs. So call them recombinants, so based on molecular biology, so recombinant versions of the proteins that we purify out from plasma, but also novel drugs, targeting novel mechanisms that we believe would have an impact on our particular disease process. So coming back to what my department do um, and, and why you guys are really so important is we need, we need samples, we need tissues, we need blood. And... Um, because we, to set these assays up, we have to have that material. And so um, over the, even just over the past four or five years, just looking at the samples we've collected within research at CSL down the road, it's something like now, I think 10,000 samples, and samples would be blood or tissue, uh, from over 1,000 patients. And these are patients not necessarily in a clinical trial where CSL is testing a drug. These are just patients who are coming in to their clinics who are prepared to give samples for research, which is like really, really important. And so with those samples, and there'll be samples from diseases where CSL is an interest in developing new therapies, and for example, things like asthma or psoriasis or other inflammatory skin conditions, but things like um, cardiovascular disease now or metabolic diseases like diabetes hereditary angioedema, a whole list of, of uh, new diseases. So we collect tissues from um, and sample blood samples from hospitals around the precinct, including St. Vincent's. Um, a bit further afield from like 
Sydney and from, um, and from Adelaide and, and globally as well. So they're a fantastic resource. And in those samples, we can look at the expression of the thing we're trying to target. We can look at like a, like a gene snapshot that tells us that, that in that patient which genes are being expressed, that allows us to derive like a signature of the genes of disease. And we can look then to see whether that's something we can use to either identify patients or use as a biomarker and say, well, when we treat these samples, does that signature change in the right way? Does it return to normal? So, of course, it's important that we have normal tissues as well. And that's a really big part of what we collect as well. We collect normal tissues. But volunteers aren't always that keen to give us bits of their tissue, but on occasions they do. But they are pretty willing to give us blood. And we have... Um, fantastic arrangement that was set up um, actually with, with Mary and, and with Christine probably, I don't know how many years ago now? Six? Yeah. Um, where um, we have volunteers who come into skin and cancer and um, donate a small volume of their blood, 40 mils of blood um, and that, we go and pick that up and then we do our thing so we might just use the blood as it is or we may separate out the blood cells and do things with the blood cells. Um, I think we've collected something like a thousand, I'm looking at Alison McCullough, it's probably like a thousand donors worth, in that, just in the last few years, a thousand, we're over a thousand, I think. We also get samples from Red Cross, and I think we've probably had 500 samples from the same sort of volume from donors that go into the Red Cross. So they're a fantastic um, resource as well, because it allows us to do the comparison between what's going on in the disease samples with what's going on in the normal samples and start to build our assays, which we then can make those decisions early on whether we should progress with a project. And if we do progress with the project and it goes into the clinical studies, so my department do those, either the same tests or versions of those tests in those clinical studies. So we couldn't do that without you. So it's such an important resource. And so we're really, really thankful for, for all of you guys for, for allowing us those tissues to do what we do. That's great. To Richard from sort of a, a clinical trial site. Thanks, Tim. Uh, thanks also, Christine and Joan, for the chance to speak today. Um, my, my story um, in coming into clinical research started about 15 years ago now, and um, Christine has a photo there, the first one, please, if you can. Yes. One, one prior to that. Oh, sorry. That's okay. It's in my desk. <laughs> <clears throat> that one there. Um, that picture taken there, that, that's me on the, on the right-hand side there. Um, it hasn't changed at all in 15 years, which is pleasing. Um, and the, the event was uh, 24th of January 2004, my, my friend Mark's wedding day. Um, and he was my, my, my best friend at the time. Um, and back then I was working in retail management, so not, not working at all in clinical research. Um, and can still recall the day very well. It was, it was a, a fun day, lots, lots, lots of happy memories. Um, and two years after that day, Mark was diagnosed with a brain tumour, um, the most severe type there is, the overblastoma multiform, um, which, was, which was a tough time. Um, and one year after that, he passed away, um, 26 years of age, um, which, which, as you can imagine, you know, um, was, was not easy. Uh, and at that time, before he passed away, um, his brother and I started looking into different options for him and, and his treatment, including clinical trials. And I had no knowledge at all, at, at all of clinical trials prior to that point. And 
actually found it quite interesting and quite intriguing and aside from wanting to help Mark and give him a chance, um, which unfortunately wasn't possible for him, um, it, it, it opened my eyes to this, this world of clinical trials that, that I, had, I had no idea actually existed. Um, and shortly after he passed away, which was the 1st of May 2007, um, I was lying on the, on the bed one day with, with, with the computer and typed into Google clinical trial jobs uh, and was, was amazed at, at all the, 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 uh, the roles out there and, and this, this entire industry, in fact, that, that again, I had no idea existed despite doing a science degree for, for three years prior to that. Um, and so I sent off five letters, just, just speculative, hopeful letters to five different companies who work within Melbourne, within clinical research. And of those five companies, two didn't reply. Um, two replied and said thanks, but no thanks. And one replied and said, come in for a chat. Um, and I had that chat. Um, and luckily enough for me, I was offered a role as a research assistant. Um, that was three months after Mark had passed away, so August 20, 2007. And I worked there for seven and a half years and then moved across to the Royal Melbourne Hospital um, in 2015 um, in my current role. Um, and so much of, much of my story, I guess, is, is Mark's legacy and, and, and trying to do something for him and, and um, making sure his life is not a waste. And so much of my, my motivation is, is, is around that. But it, it goes beyond that now because unlike Kerry, I, I, I do see the patients um, within my role. Um, I'm, I'm quite fortunate, I guess, that my role is just down the hallway from our clinical trial centre. And I, I see them walking in the door and, and their husbands and, and their wives um, and, and they have children and, and they're often, you know, grandparents. Um, and it, it's, it's, it, it, it makes it all feel a lot more real actually seeing these people, these faces, these stories, um, these individuals. Um, and that, that also serves as a motivation for me to do things as well as I can um, to serve them, and, and, and my role is to, is to serve the public. Um, and much of my role, without going into details, um, is, is around what occurs before a trial gets opened within a hospital and starts enrolling patients. It's all the stuff behind the scenes, all, all, the, all, the, all the boring paperwork and contracts and ethics and government applications and things like that that have to occur before that first patient walks in the door. Um, so me doing, me doing my role the best that I can um, helps people and, and helps families, um, which, is, which is certainly motivating for me. Um, the next one, please. Oops. Oops. That one? Yep, please. That's, that's my desk. Um, and the reason I've taken a photo of my desk is you'll see on, on the wall there, on, on the pin board, if your eyes are any good, a message. <laughs> The best interest of the patient is the only interest to be considered. And I look at that message every day and it, it, it's right alongside where I sit and it, it's a constant reminder of, of, of why I do what I do and, and what's important. And the nature of my work is that we get bogged down in an awful lot of detail. It's incredibly um, email heavy, meeting heavy, Excel spreadsheet heavy. And none of those things particularly matter, really. What, what matters is, is giving patients a chance to be involved in enrolled in these trials, um, particularly, as I said before, by Christine, patients who have no other option or, or very few options. Um, and for many patients, the, the clinical trial is their best chance of receiving care. Um, we often talk about the paradigm that the clinical trials aren't an adjunct to patient care. Clinical trials are patient care. Um, so it's something we live and breathe and, and believe in tremendously. Um, and again, serves as, as a huge motivation for myself and, and also our team.
Um, and the last picture before I, before I pass the baton on is something we did recently. So we, we had the clinical trial centre's second birthday um, in, in, in June of this year, just last month. And incredibly, across um, two years since we opened the centre, there's been more than 6,000 patient visits across a whole array of different therapeutic areas from, from epilepsy to dementia, MS, diabetes, heart disease, asthma, the list goes on. Um, and I, 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 I spoke with my team about how we could um, celebrate the occasion and, and um, we, we had a nice morning, uh, afternoon tea rather and, and um, welcomed the research nurses to be involved in that and, and um, had a lovely day. But we also wanted to do something for the patients to recognise them um, because without the patients there is no clinical trial centre. Um, and so this was only a very small gesture but, 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 but a gesture none, 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 nonetheless I guess. Um, to give cookies um, to each of the patients who came through the centre for a four-week period to also be part of our, our birthday celebration. So um, that's really guess for me. But um, it's just nice, I guess, to celebrate the patients and, and include them as part of the occasion. Thank you. Um, thank you very much for inviting me along to speak today. I did bring some notes because I think that will work out better for me. <laughs> um, I'm a GP by training and after I was lucky enough to have a few too many children, I got out of general practice and started working in clinical trials roughly 10 years ago. I do my best to thank our participants as often as possible and I am thrilled to be here today to thank everyone who participates in clinical trials. As we know, clinical trials help answer questions. They help improve our ability to prevent, detect, diagnose and treat illnesses. Without participants, we would not be able to develop medications as safely as we can. I'm often asked, why do people sign up for clinical trials? It's a good question. I've heard many reasons. All of them are important and all result in the patients giving their time and making a commitment to what is sometimes a complicated process. Personal benefit is one reason, but certainly not the commonest or the most significant. Clinical trials allow patients to access medication, which may otherwise be unavailable to that person. They may have tried other options unsuccessfully, and a trial offers them the hope of a new medication that may help them with their condition. I've seen many patients personally benefit from participations in trials, and it certainly makes, helps make their efforts feel, feel more worthwhile when they do benefit, but they don't always. We've had a ballet dancer who'd run out of options with treatment of her rheumatoid arthritis, and she was able to dance again thanks to involvement in a clinical trial. We've had a woman who was able to get back to running her own business thanks to involvement in a trial. Then there are the simple things so many of us take for granted, like the patient who enjoyed the, the simple joy of being able to sit on a picnic rug with his family. I think patients are absolutely extraordinary in their perseverance, despite in some cases no obvious benefit. They'll persist through a placebo control period, tolerating frequent visits, blood tests and other investigations, whilst gaining no relief themselves. These patients tirelessly persevere, hoping that their efforts will help find a better treatment for their condition or for others. Patients with chronic pain have participated in early phase trials, which give no offer of medication after the trial, purely in the hope that it will help others in the future. Many of our patients benefit um, sorry, participate because they recognise that they benefit from some treatment trialled by others and they express the desire to help others in the future and give back. Some are there for academic interest, healthy volunteers who commit to vaccine trials to help in the development of a new vaccine. They often enjoy the process and learn how a vaccine is tested in the community. 
every participant has some altruistic motivation. They must. To attend clinic visits, tolerate multiple examinations and investigations, complete questionnaires and symptom diaries, it all requires time, effort, patience and acceptance of potential risks. To be interested and involved, patients have to see the big picture and have concern for others in the community. I often hear people say, well, if it helps someone else. We have a patient who had twin sisters who benefited from trials to treat their severe lung condition, and our patient was eager to help others as her sisters had been helped. We have patients who travel for hours to attend visits, even one who flies from interstate to participate. We have frequent flyers who participated in several trials over the years and keep coming back for more. They all express a wish to give back to the community in some way. And I personally benefit in many ways, thanks to participants I've met over the last 10 years. There's the joy of seeing patients benefit themselves, the hope that, that through this process more people will benefit, and seeing the best part of people through their selfless commitment to helping others. I'm extremely fortunate to have the privilege of working with people willing to volunteer in clinical trials. And I really want to give a heartfelt thanks to all the volunteers involved in clinical trials. Without you, the world would be a poorer place. Thank you for your commitment and dedication to our community. Well, last but not least, um, well, firstly, Christine, congratulations. This is really a noble and innovative campaign, and Roshi is certainly uh, thrilled to be behind it. So uh, congratulations. We look forward to, um, to seeing this evolve as we go. Um, so um, I've been, my name's Helen Alley, I'm the country head for uh, Roche Australia and I'm based in Sydney. I have a very large team um, and a smaller team in Melbourne uh, and together we do about 120 trials and enrol about 5,000 patients. We have about 5,000 patients active at the moment. Um, one of my key roles, I've been in research now for 27 years um, and I've seen amazing things happen. Uh, and there's certain patients alive today because participants in trials have participated in key pivotal studies that have given us the clinical evidence for clinicians to make key uh, medical decisions. Um, so one of my key roles uh, at Roche is to make sure that any innovation that happens at our Genentech and Roche labs comes to Australia. And actually we've been really successful I'm really proud of my team. Uh, we've got one of the second fastest startup times in the world, which means that uh, we can get our trials faster to patients. Um, and also that um, it means that we have these excellent research facilities that are able to do um, research here. So that's why the White's Coats Foundation is fantastic because that supports the need of clinical trial awareness. Uh, for patients to participate in these great um, trials. Um, I'm also a volunteer, Jim, so you might be pleased to know that um, I've donated my stem cells or my cord blood. I was very fortunate to have the gift of three children. And during that time, uh, I did donate my, my cells, and if they were not matched, I uh, donated them to research. Uh, to a public bank, and um, I, I, I felt what it was like to be vulnerable as a patient, to understand the risks and benefits, to undergo through a consent process, 
Um, to not know where my data is going, to not know where my bloods are going, not where my cells are going. So I completely walk in the shoes of patients. I know exactly what it's like. So that's why I challenge my team all the time uh, to think about the patient first because um, it can be, as Christine um, and Carrie has said, it could be, and your example too, it could be uh, someone in your family. And certainly within my team back in Sydney, I have a number of people going through a health journey and we're working through different clinical trials for them. So even when you work in the industry, it's very difficult to, to get access um, to trials and so that education piece is, is absolutely critical and I think the White Coats um, can certainly help with that. So um, I wanted to finish by just really acknowledging this, this really extraordinary work that patients do without you. You may think it's a, it's a one-time example. Um, the information and data we collect forms a, a broader group of information that forms evidence for us to present to regulators um, to, to move our treatments um, through the discovery process, to have them registered and to be provided not only to Australians uh, but to communities around the world. So um, I just simply wanted to finish with um, thanking all our patient participants without you we simply would not have the clinical evidence we need um, for to progress our treatments. Thank you, Helen, and thank you to all the rest of the panel for, for your insights and certainly that, um, that personal stories. And I've, I've worked with Gary and Richard for a number of years, but certainly when, when you're on the ground and you just don't have time for ourselves, you know, sort of sharing that, that sort of um, story. So, so thank you for that as well. Um, so we are finishing on time. Um, so is there time for questions or are we going to finish? And um, if anyone's got something they'd like to say. I just want to make sure that, you know, again, participations, yeah. making sure our... our, our <laughs> Um, you know, our, our audience, you know, if there's anyone wanting to, to make a comment or, you know, wanting to raise anything, uh, and here's the chance. Um, but if not, oh. <laughs> I am so pleased to be invited here today because uh, answers all my questions. I'm a patient. Uh, I'm on research. I'm well-being. Uh, live life full. Uh, I have liver cancer but it's under control. So what I heard here today, it's amazing. I appreciate that because uh, one of the things Christine and I we talk about was how we studying, and I already started, but I'm aiming to that. You go to the GP with a cancer diagnosis, what the GP should do. She started like this, I'm sorry you have cancer or whatever. There are your options, chemo, radiotherapy, and then trials. It should be included to every day, you know what I mean, whoever. So we need to educate only, not only the public, but uh, the medical uh, society as well. Thank you for inviting me here today. And, then, and what we just happened there, just in terms of that, that partnership between um, patients, uh, the GP, hospital, but also uh, pharmaceutical companies, that we all have to work, you know, uh, together in this space. And and to, to carry points, you know, I mean, certainly 
I, I want to make sure that when I get to the stage where I need something, there should be something there. And not just for me, but it's for everyone else, you know. Um, so thank you again. And, and as a token of uh, appreciation, um, there's a little gift for all of our panelists. So just make sure you, you pick up that gift. And I'll hand the microphone back to Christine. Thank you.